This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Balls. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. If you've listened to us before, and if you haven't listened to us before, welcome for the first time to this, the latest episode of The Rest is PR. My name is Lyle Fulton, and I'm here with the wonderful Jackie Vores, CEO of Demozo, PR guru, entrepreneurial extraordinaire herself. Hello, Jackie. How are you this Friday afternoon? Hello, Lyle. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Yeah, the weather's sorted itself out. It's calmed down. It's not as warm as it yeah. is. You know, I don't tend to survive all that well in the warm, so it's kind of calmed down. I'm feeling pretty good. You know, the podcast Great. is taking off. We're moving forward. So, yeah, pretty happy. And, and I have another disclaimer before we get started, because last time um, I didn't explain that I do have the dog in the room with me yet again. Of course. And he does make noises. And it's not Great. a grumbly tummy on my behalf. Every oh. time you've said that the dog is uh, is is in the room and there's like the promise of growling and sort of noises, there's the occasional one. But he, oh, there you go. See? There you go. See, that was not my stomach. That Listeners. was the growl on command. He can't even hear you. There must be some kind of ESP thing going on here, Lyle. But he always seems very, very calm. I don't know whether or not it's like <laughs> sort of, you know, all of the wisdom we're imparting calms him down <laughs> to such an extent that he just seems very, very chilled out, which is fantastic. I mean, I'm still unaware of this dog's name can you enlighten me ludo of course it's ludo of course it's yes, ludo you do know the story of ludo don't I've you worked on, i've worked on margo and ludo before of course i have you worked you on margo and ludo and on ludo.ai which is one of, of our clients fantastic. and the fantastic tom pigger at ludo.ai named ludo after my dog ludo you see i did it was not my know idea that. as you know i did not know that <laughs> but actually it is. It is actually true. It was previously called Prometheus. And while that's a great name, it's quite a long name. And we were trying to think of a shorter name. And because it's all about games, um, you know, it is a games creation sandbox, um, Ludo. So Ludo is a natural name for it. And so I suggested it but, and I teased him and said he's naming it after my dog, which he is. <laughs> I mean... First of all, gorgeous story. I suppose linking it to what this episode is about, an amazing pitch ah, of a name to a prospective client. There you go, bringing it back. See, <laughs> this is it. What we are going to be discussing this week is pitching, the wonderful world of pitching mm. uh, when it comes to PR. And I suppose pitching can work two ways, certainly from my perspective, pitching your business to a client prospectively and what you might be able to do for that client and that business. But also, as we discussed before we went live on this recording, pitching to journalists and pitching to yes. the media. So I suppose the first question I have for you, where do you start when it comes to pitching to media professionals? Do you have to have a strong basis, a strong understanding of what it is that your client does? That seems like a bit of a loaded question. Or is it something you can kind of prep before you even have the go-ahead from the client yeah. to sort of earmark where you want to go with the story, who you want to approach? Good question. And interestingly, I was on a podcast with the lovely Ben Williams from Kiln. We are kiln.com. And his podcast is Kiln Radio, just giving Ben a little plug there. And we were talking about how lucky we were because we both started our careers in media sales and pitching is selling. And I was taught, you know, had a great amount of training for my first job. And one thing I always encourage people to do is look at what training's available whenever you go for your first job. But yeah, so I got taught how to sell. And sales is sometimes a dirty word, in particularly in the UK. 
Sorry, Ludo. Um, yeah, and and uh, Ludo thinks it's a dirty word as well. Ludo doesn't really like <laughs> clearly. sales. Clearly, not a fan of sales. <laughs> <laughs> but pitching is selling, and I don't think selling is a bad thing. I think people want to be sold to sometimes, and people want to be pitched because they want to feel like you have put that effort into them. And so I always say to pe- to my people, sell not tell. You know, just don't go. Oh yeah, I got a piece of coverage in this. It's great that a publication has chosen to write about your client. Be excited because it is exciting. Pitching to anywhere requires a certain amount of confidence and you only get confidence from knowing your stuff. And when you know your stuff, when you've got a plan, when you know exactly what you want, and I think we've spoken about objective setting before. Absolutely. It all comes back to setting your objectives and once you've set your objectives then you realize what you need to do in order to get to those objectives so when you're looking at pitching anything look at whether that person company whatever is going to be receptive to your pitch do they want to hear from you and if they don't then you're going wrong somewhere so that's the first thing absolutely I mean I think that's you've raised some really brilliant points there I think the the core one being that as I mentioned earlier pitching when it comes to working for a PR agency can be pitching to a new client in terms of the strategy and how you want to move forward and help them can also be about pitching to professionals who work in the media. And I think in both instances, everything you've just said is absolutely 100% spot on. If you don't know your own strategy, the way you work as a company, when it comes to approaching a client, then anything they ask you, any direction they try to take you in might trip you up might sort of, you know, alarm you and startle you. Whereas if you know your own working practices, your professional practices, the same in any industry, really. Mm. Knowing what it is that makes you you at its core, the fundamentals of your business model, make it easier to adapt and be flexible to what a prospective client wants from you. But just sort of hanging on to the media side of the client for, for a second. Something I've always thought about is that first one, that first contact with a journalist, that first contact with a publication with someone who works in the media. Is it true what they say that that first contact when you're starting out a career in PR is the hardest? Because I imagine that as you then develop your relationship with the journalist, with that publication, as your reputation in the industry grows, they're instantly aware that if you write to them, they know in their own mind instinctively, right, they're writing to me with something that they know I'm going to want, that they know I can write about properly, that they know... I have expertise on that my readership are interested in. Whereas if you don't get that relationship off to a good start from the get-go, they're a bit more apprehensive. They're a bit more tentative about what they receive from you. How do you go about that first contact with a journalist to make sure that, pun intended, you're on the same page and they know that this is a relationship that moving forward is going to be a very easy and fruitful one? Way back in the day when I was running my first PR agency, we didn't have the advantage of web searching to find out backgrounds on anybody, on the person we were speaking to or on the, the publication we were talking to. So it all came down to reading, actually going out and buying the publication they had because there wasn't really any online publications at the time or phoning them up and actually finding out what they wanted to know about. And that for some journalists was bloody annoying. Sorry for the swearing, but it was really <laughs> annoying. Can you imagine if you're just trying to get on and write your 
daily amount of copy and you've got some little scrat of a PR phoning up and going, <laughs> could you just tell me what you want to write about? And there were some, and I won't mention them by names, but there is one that I actually ended up that reduced one of my team to tears, wow. screaming at them because they'd had the temerity to phone him up and, and annoy him on press day, which was really annoying and we should have known better. And I did actually phone him up and give him a piece of my <laughs> Fair enough. It was a vicious cycle um, then, you know, and yeah, then it just because, kept going. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you, you do want us to deliver up what you want, so help us do that, but fair enough. You know, if mm. you're calling some journalist on press day about something that isn't really mission critical, then you're going to get short shrift. So it's a bit of that, you know, knowing your timings, how and when to contact somebody and knowing what they want to find out about. Now, zoom forward 25 years, we have all of these information repositories at our fingertips we can find out you know the last five things a journalist has written like that within milliseconds we can find out what their personal interests are we can look on their insta their twitter and contact them by those means as well as phoning them up or emailing them Mm. and some journalists are really great and they tell you how they want to be contacted and when they want to be contacted on their platforms and that's fantastic it's so much easier now to do your research and know what that particular journalist or I should now say influencer wants to hear. It's a mixture of common sense, manners, knowing your stuff and knowing what that person might want to know about. Now, the content you pitch is also really, really important. All I've talked about right now is preparedness. That's it. Haven't I? But really, when it comes down to it, it's the story that's going to make your pitch successful because you can really screw up all of the the first bits but if you've got an amazing story that somebody wants their ears will be open to it so story creation and finding not only the story but all the associated bits and bobs that go with the story that make a media story so that could be imagery that could be sound it could be video it could be infographics it could be all sorts of different things that that journalist might want to sort of make a wholesome story and you as a PR need to be the person that anticipates that thinks about that knows what they like to write knows what the publication is doing what the publication's raison d'etre is and go okay i need to make sure i've got everything at my fingertips that this journalist will want once you've got all of that then it's down to your own confidence in terms of writing the email or picking up the phone and you can go into my new show you can talk about email headers you can talk about things like not sending attachments that will clog up somebody's inbox or come out as a, a link that they can't access and stuff like that so those are the details in the minutiae that you need to kind of think through every stage and so starting which was your original question was try to start as prepared as you can mm. And I think what's really interesting as well, first thing is is that when I first embarked on my freelance career in PR, but when I first joined the Mozo, not as a freelancer, but on a a permanent contract, naivety, again, is perhaps a strong word, but I'm going to go with it anyway, because I think it's the, the most descriptive of it. I was naive to the different types of pitch you could put forward, the different types of things you could send across to a media professional and a journalist. I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm going to admit to it. I'm going to own up on this episode of the podcast. I thought, write a press release, page of A4, page and a half, perhaps. Off it goes. And that's your story. If someone picks it up, they pick it up. And if someone doesn't, they don't. And you move on. 
But, you know, I was unaware of thought leadership. I was unaware of bios. The technical terms, I'm sure, are all over the place in terms of what I'm describing there. But there are so many different types of story. And I imagine that some journalists will be your bread and butter press release. I'll run the story on a page of our online publication or in a newspaper. Then there are others who specialize in your thought leadership pieces. And, you know, they'll, they'll have journalists within publications that specialize in one or the other. What you've just said is really interesting. It's about knowing who to go to to yeah. run a particular thing and knowing that they're going to be receptive to that and not making the mistake of going, oh, I've got this for you, and then going, Lyle. Do you know what? You know, I, I, never I always describe it as, I describe it as sniper fire in a, in a machine gun manner mm. because you've got so many different outlets to mm. pitch stories to, but you've got to make sure that you're respectful of each one of those outlets. So, yes, you do have press releases that you would create as a general company announcement. And you do have wire services that you can send those press releases out on as well as send them out to your own database lists. And we can talk about GDPR and databases at a different time, but we, as a professional PR agency, don't hold our own lists of journalist contacts. We use professional databases from professional database companies. So when you do that, it's really difficult to keep track you know, because we can't keep personal details on our own servers of those journalists, which is why it's really important every single time to do that research before you start your pitch. And in fact, it's the best way because people move around, people change their beats in terms of where they're writing. So it's really, you know, it is a good discipline to get into anyway. I think GDPR has actually done us a favour from that perspective. But what clients often don't recognise and understand is just that because they pay us to pitch the media and get their coverage and their pieces their articles in they just think we're we've got this sort of dark art this kind of black book of contacts which we don't I mean obviously over the years I mean you know I'm 30 plus years in this profession you do develop your own contact base and you do develop your own relationships but you learn also to only use those relationships when it means something to them as well otherwise they're not a real relationship so, you know, it's a difficult thing to do to get pitching right. Mm. And you do have to dive in, you know, you've got to start from the basics and refine it as you go along. Mm. And, you know, you know, we all get those really annoying phone calls from those people that oh, you just had a car crash recently or your car insurance up for renewal or can I just do a survey? I mean, all those poor people, they're just pitching us at the end mm. of the day yeah. to sell what they want to sell. There's some that go, I know you don't want to receive this call, but I just have to do it. Oh, no, yeah. And, it. you know, you're kind of like, oh, I feel so sorry if you I actually will listen to you. I've been there. I've worked in, you know, when I when I first graduated drama school, I, you know, when I was waiting for my first job to come in, I worked at a call centre and that go. was very much the approach I took. I was like, look, I really am <laughs> sorry. I know it's two o'clock in the afternoon and, you know, by the sounds of things, you're out on a lovely walk. And <laughs> um, But, you know, it's just, you know, the RSPB, who are a wonderful charity, by the way, just could really use, you know, you becoming a member and, and looking after the birds. Uh, and, <laughs> and then they go, well, you know, you're right, I am on a walk. So and I can see lots of lovely birds that clearly you're protecting. So, yeah, maybe I will listen to you. I'm not going to become a member. But, you know, it's all about sort of, you know, mm -hmm. there are sort of micro examples and macro examples of pitching in the real world, you know, and, and in the professional world. I mean, what's extraordinary is the parallels between pitching in the PR world and pitching in the performance world, in the theatrical world, because actually as an actor, and this is again, something that 
you're kind of aware of when you're at drama school and when you're training but at the time you're at drama school you're focusing on making your voice more impressive and you know improving your physicality and improving your performative talents as it were didn't do much for me but there you go but you know you you forget that actually a lot of what it means to be an actor is pitching you know every day you're you're pitching pitching yourself than anybody else and I suppose what I was going to ask you is is this interesting point though Lyle Mm. you are pitching yourself when you're on the phone to a journalist Mm. I mean nobody wants to talk to somebody that sounds really boring no yeah you are you are developing that relationship and you're also if you do something succinctly and quickly you're respecting them so you're actually building an immediate connection that's what I was going to ask you because There is a phenomenon in the acting world called general meetings. And if any actors, and I hope there are actors listening to this, if any actors are listening to this podcast, that phrase might send shivers down your spine. <laughs> They're supposed to be very, very exciting. But general meeting is widely held in the industry is something that might lead to something in the short term, probably won't in the short term, but further down the line, they're aware of who you are. And I suppose it's the same in the PR world. You could phone a journalist up you could email a journalist you could be on a zoom call with a journalist meet them in person it might not be for them in that moment but if you as an agency and if you as a professional individual are impressive enough to forge a relationship with that journalist then further down the line they might get in touch with you and say by the way i'm running something here we're doing a particular piece on this or we're running a particular series of pieces on this area of the industry when we met a few months ago, we got on really great. You seem like a good egg when it comes to people who work in this industry. What have you got for me? And you yeah. mentioned in podcasts before how, you know, the golden goose is when journalists come to you with Absolutely. requests for stories. And that can only happen if you have not just pitched the story and pitched the client that the story emanates from, but you've also pitched yourself appropriately mm. and, you know, engagingly. If you like, you know, if you've, if you've been engaging enough with that journalist, then they're going to want to work with you. It's in their best interest for the story, to, to, both the story to be good, but also the person who pitches it to be Absolutely. engaging and dynamic. And I guess that's sort of where a huge parallel comes into play when it comes to to the acting world, because you might not be right for a particular part. In the first instance, you meet a casting director. But I've had instances even recently in the last 18 months where I met someone 18 months ago and they said, oh, really enjoyed meeting you. It's just not a good fit. And nine months later, I was in a show with them and then I performed with them this year. Fantastic company. I performed with them all year. That wouldn't have happened had I not got my foot in the door in that first instance. And albeit it was unsuccessful, I clearly gave of my best. And they didn't watch me walk out the door going, now, nah, never again. They watched me walk out the door going, yeah. we'll have him back. It's just not for now. And so that kind of leads me on to a really interesting question as well, which is now on the business side, the pitching to client side, how often would you say you pitch to a client Demozo's strategy you pitch you your work and the business as a whole and how often particularly recently would you say it's the other way around and you are approached by businesses who have heard of what Demozo have done and is that still in essence a pitch even if you are approached by a client are you still having to pitch yeah, oh gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of our work, I'd say 99, maybe 95% of our work comes through word of mouth. So to a certain extent, clients have already an idea of, you know, what we do and how we do it. 
but you still have to make the case for your service, your company, because otherwise they don't fully know what they're going to get. And I always say that we're a very difficult company to describe because, you know, every single one of our programs is tailored to that client. So if we don't get that client's confidence from from the get-go, then it's very difficult to start on that meaningful relationship. It's a bit like an arranged marriage. If somebody walks off the street and says, okay, I want you as our PR agency, that's more like an arranged marriage. And then you might discover that you actually like them down the line. So you do still have to pitch (laughs) when somebody has been recommended to you, 100%. And they have to feel like they've made that decision based on on what, what you've presented to them. So we definitely do have to do that. Very occasionally, I will see a client that I just want to work on. Sure. It's usually driven by seeing something done, executed very badly. Mm. And I'll see something, I think, wow, that's a really brilliant product or service. And what are they doing? That's usually what gets me sort of linking in with the CEO and going, oi, mate, listen, you might not want to hear this, but this is my view. Sometimes we do get business out of that. And then most of the time, you know, I'm out talking at conferences and doing various different events. And you're constantly pitching yourself because you're constantly telling people your credentials. You know, why are you there? What are you doing? Why should people listen to you? So, yeah, life is a pitch. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) We have our episode title. I love that. That is absolutely brilliant. I mean, a question I had, I've often thought, and this also has parallels with the acting industry, and it's, again, crazy how many there are. But I imagine, particularly on the instances where a client will approach you and they'll own up and say, we've been doing X, Y, and Z, and it's had limited success, but we know we can go further. We know we can do better. And that's where we'd like to work in partnership with you and you and the Mozo team go, great, fantastic. Yeah, we think we can help. We have a plan. We have a strategy. The dum da dum da dum This is what we want to do for you. And they turn around and go, actually, I was wondering if you could get me into the independent or if you could get me onto this particular website. And you sit back for a minute and go, and I think we discussed this in the first episode of the podcast as well, you sit back for a minute and go, uh, you're throwing a lot of big names at me. And none of these are going to help, really. I'm not scared by a big do. name. Yeah. I'm not scared by a big name at mm. all. And, you know, I like, I love a challenge. Mm. What I do want clients to understand, and I want my people to understand, mm. and this comes back to being prepared, doing your research, is what is going to get that client's objective. You know, so it's almost like, you know, I'm always saying about objective setting, I'll say it again client needs to set the objectives and they need to understand why they're setting that objective they set you the objective of getting into the ft why is that publication going to help them meet their business goals and their business objectives and sometimes you know if you ask a client why do you want to be in the ft honest clients because i kind of go well that's where my investors would probably want to see me and that's where the you know what what i think is the best for me And then you'll say, well, that's great. Investor confidence is really important. There are other ways of getting investor confidence. And yeah, we could get you in the FT and we could probably spend all of your hours that you pay us to work for you on getting into the FT. But is that actually going to meet 
the business goals mm. and the business goals could be simply talking to the top retailers in the country and do the top retailers in the country read the FT yet maybe their FDs do but do their procurement people it's really understanding where those audiences hang out and what they want to hear from a from a client and what story you can tell so it's a lot more convoluted than people initially think they just think oh yeah one piece in the times and I'm made and you're not that's it. And this is another really important thing, Lyle, is always be pitching. It's like always be closing, always be pitching. Because what I try to explain to, to clients and to my people is that it's a layered process. You know, you don't just become something overnight. People went, oh, well, Zoom came from nowhere or Canva came from nowhere. They've been around for years. Yeah. Growing their businesses getting levels of awareness and yes sometimes it seems like something's just come straight out of nowhere but it would have been like with zoom for example talk about perfect timing with the pandemic yeah but all the background work and all the building of that business have been done all the awareness building of that business have taken a few years so there's no quick turnaround there's no golden pitch what i hesitate there sometimes there's some golden story that propels somebody onto the world stage but then you need continuity you can't just stop there it's got to be continued on so it is a continuous process of pitching and even when there's a golden story that you can break and pr and put out there it comes all the way down again to preparedness and knowing what your expansions are going to be because Mm. again that golden story i imagine only becomes the success it can be if when it arrives on your door, on the rare occasion it does, you're prepared for it in terms of your infrastructure and mm. you know instantly because you've prepared for every eventuality where that can expand to. You're ready for the follow-up. Because otherwise, I mean, a, an example I would often use, and this is sort of not within the quantum of tech that Demozo works in and any PR that I've ever experienced when it comes to things my dad's worked on or anything like that, but the Captain Tom story when, mm. uh, when the pandemic hit, The Captain Tom story is, I imagine, something you would describe as a golden story. But at the time, when it was him just walking around his garden raising money during the pandemic, a lot of people think, oh, well, that just grew and expanded out of nowhere because it was a great story and it spoke to sort of the sensibility of the people in Britain at the time. But whoever got that out there... His very media-savvy daughter... Exactly. Had to there. know, had to know where to take it straight away instantly. You know, it wasn't that wasn't just going to happen on its own. Someone no. had to push the buttons at the exactly. right times. And you've got to know, you've got to know where to take it. And, and that is again. Per- and it was the perfect story. It's a really it good was. example to use. I mean, what a wonderful story that really was it, it fed into all of the feelings that we have about our NHS and mm. all the passions that we were feeling about everybody going through awful awful tragedies that they were going through and the the real sort of war spirit of captain tom i mean it was just perfect from a story level you couldn't pitch it better it was current it wasn't only just current from a news story it was current from the emotions that people were feeling and it was current from the perspective of you know the frailty and the vulnerability that we were all feeling so you know it just hit every sweet spot and then it helped people do something yeah you could give to the just giving page yeah it took those feelings of absolute 
desperation and what can I do and turn them into, here you go, back Captain Tom. You can actually make a difference. Just like we all went out and banned our pots and pans, we all gave to Captain Tom. It rallied a group of people who were feeling fairly redundant and useless into being able to do something. So that was a perfect example of a great story pitched at the right time to the right people, but giving follow-up. Because once you had follow-up in the form of the Just Giving page, you could then report back on what was given and what Captain Todd was doing next. And there was follow-up after follow-up after follow-up. And the man even wrote a book, a child's book, more follow-up. You know, it's a great, I'm so glad you chose that example of a great story, pitched well, followed up perfectly, that rallied people to the cause. And you're saying as well, always be pitching as well. What's really interesting that you just pointed out there is things you can then measure, success of a story you can then measure moving forward. You've got the initial pitch that you hope is successful and gets the story out there and gets exposure, but then things that follow up and things that expand on that story weeks and months down the line that measure the success of how it went down. Well, this is really interesting because if somebody's listening to this podcast and thinking, well, you know, I've just got cups and paper and pots and pans to sell. How am I going to pitch a story with follow-up and be able to capture that and measure that? But it is actually quite simple. Whatever story you create, you then make sure that you've got your call to action So a lot of stories can just fly out into the ether. You know, you could put a story in the the Financial Times and never know how many people read it unless there is some kind of clever call to action. So whenever you are putting something out there, just make sure there is a way that people can come back to you, buy your product, talk to you, engage with you, have a dialogue. Now, the media is savvy about this. They don't want you putting links into your website or, you know, special competitions because that moves into commercial territory for them and they will charge you for that. Mm. But there are ways. And if you now go away and you start reading your papers and looking at different stories that aren't about news and current events, you'll see, oh, yeah, actually, I have gone and Googled something that I've read about and seen that uh, I have actually ended up on a campsite that I, I read about in, in you know, the Independent one day. And I would never normally Google a campsite because I hate camping. But this story would get me reading it and thinking, oh, yeah, that looks really interesting. So just remember that your calls to action can be very subtle, but they need to be there. There needs to be something that brings people onto you and back to you. Sneaky in a good way. Sneaky in a good way. I don't know if it's sneaky or if it's serving value. And, you know, you can see it in two different ways. Mm. I mean, I just think if somebody's reading something, they want to get some value out of it. Yeah. Here's the way you get the value. So I I don't think it's sneaky at all. I think that's fair enough, actually. Yeah. It's probably a misstep. Yeah. I think that's the thing as well. And that's all about sort of the resourcefulness of what you read and what you take in, I think, as the consumer, isn't mm. it? And that's that's the important point is that where the story needs to get to is the target audience. That's where the story ultimately needs to get to. What you're then able to receive and absorb from that story, however you go about doing it and however you're able to do it, that's the Absolutely. end game, isn't it? That's where it needs to transmit to. So yes, you're absolutely right. Sneaky was a 
a typical misstep <laughs> so, from your I mean, look at, if you look at things, I mean, my other half, James, he won't mind me mentioning this. Mm. I mean, he's a real fitty, you know, he rows, he runs marathons. He's, I do not, but I'm always <laughs> complaining about my weight. And, you know, he's often reading stuff and, you know, he was reading about James Haskell's book and how, you know, weights had transformed Chloe Maidley's routine. So, of course, you know, he reads an article by James Haskell, goes out and buys the book, which was the objective, really, of the public relations that was done for James Haskell. But, you know, that's a classic, you know, he wouldn't know that there was a book to be had if he hadn't been mentioned in the article. Exactly, and hadn't gone out and read that story. Nutrition or whatever it was, yeah. Exactly, it's incredibly clever. I think clever is more the word, isn't it, than sneaky and satisfying (laughs) is more the word. Yeah, it's absolutely right. It's it's the idea of knowing what you're absorbing exists in a quantum of things that you can then go and engage with in different ways. And that's how you then pitch and that's where you position. We're going to talk about positioning in uh, in future podcasts and everything else, but that might be quite a nice one to do next week, Mm. actually, is messaging and positioning because... It's about where you position that client within the industry of their choice. Because, you know, we talk a lot about finding the right story, don't we? But you can't have the right story unless you know your messages. Absolutely right. The two go hand in hand. The two go beautifully hand in hand as well. Mm. The final question I was going to ask you before we bring this episode to a close is, when a client comes to you with a big name publication they want to appear in or a big name website that they want to appear on or television show or radio show TV show radio show or youtube channel honestly it's really different now it's not the newspapers it could just be getting in in front of an influencer that's it it's not limited anymore if, if anything mm. it's so wide-ranging you've got to be on your toes how important is it to stick to your guns as an agency as a pr when it comes to your strategy and knowing that that might be a misstep when it comes to their suggestions and how important we spoke about confidence in this episode Mm. so far about how pitching is all about confidence and just going for it and being engaging and being dynamic have there ever been instances in your career so far in PR where there's been a bit of a win in the sense that you've kind of insisted that this is Mm. the way to go even when they've been a bit apprehensive about that they want the bigger name and you've gone no it's all about strategy it's all about long-term vision it's all about where we move now that means we can move better in the future with the ones you want, but we need to lay yes. the groundwork. Have you have you had successes like that? Absolutely. I mean, we've had numerous successes. I think the problem is you've got to sort of see beyond why a client is asking you to get that result for them and have the confidence to question why they think that will work for them. And some clients, I mean, most clients, though their businesses know their products and services really really well and some would take that even further and go I know that writer really you know writes about what I want to talk about and they will be very dogged and determined that you should get them what they want and you know I'd say a lot of my clients are know their target media incredibly well and it's not usually an argument about what publication it's usually an argument about what are we going to go with what are we going to tell them because I really do want to serve up juicy stories. And sometimes we just don't have as juicy a story as we want to have. And we don't want to tire that publication out with continually haranguing and harassing them with stuff that we know Mm. is going to bore them or Mm. that they told us we will not write about this. But sometimes we do have an argument with a client about what publication they want to get into and we don't feel the same way as them. And sometimes we capitulate and say, okay, We've said our perspective. 
we are your tool. We will do as you ask and we'll do our absolute best. But just know. Just know. You when... know, you might be right. We might be wrong. You know, there are no absolutes sometimes in PR, Lyle. And, you know, we could be completely wrong sometimes. And sometimes journalists has blindsided me after saying religiously for months that they don't write about this. And then the next thing you know, you see an article come out and you're like, what? You said you never wrote about this. And, you know, you can get blindsided. So sometimes, you know, if it goes against your grain, but that client really wants what what they want, then you do it with good grace and, that's and it, give yeah. it a go. Yeah. And sometimes it works. And know, it's all well. about building the relationship as well, isn't it? Because if ultimately 100%. there's no backing down in that respect, you then have to respect that point yeah. of view and go, okay, fine. But ultimately, you know, we're the ones you've employed and we'll go out and do that. And that's fine. And it's about that sort of respect on both sides. Fine. We'll go out and do that. We'll go and sort of toe the line, but when it doesn't quite work, then you then have to respect that when I come back to you, we'll try it this way because it's time for a shift in approach and we've done, you know, we've yeah. given it a go. And, and, and do you know what? Those things are really few and far between. I mm. have to say, these arguments are very rare that mm. you you know you you very rarely find that you're you're up against each other because most of the time and definitely this is the value of many years of doing this i've told my clients what i need from them in order to get the results that i want to get for them and it's a harmonious you know it's a two way street and i think sometimes clients come to you and they think all oh, right we'll get Demoso to do that and um i can now go and focus on all these other things i want to get done and you're like, sorry, come back here. No, I need yeah. you. I need you around me all the time. And I often say to people when they go into business with us, I am like your new wife. You know, I will <laughs> pester you and nag you and be in your ear and want you to tell me everything that's going on. Because, you know, it isn't that easy. Like, oh, just go and tell my story for me. It is very much bringing us into the fold getting really involved in the company and what it wants to achieve and getting involved with the employees and all the different stakeholders and really understanding and interpreting all of that and packaging it up really nicely for the media or whatever channel that we are using because now we're doing social media we're doing videos we're doing all sorts of podcasts <laughs> you know so it is a very you know two-way street kind of thing so i don't want people sort of listening to this thinking oh <laughs> all, all they do is argue with clients it's really no. not like that at all well, and as, as well from my experience as well the vast majority of clients if not all of them that i've worked with as a part of the Mozo team have always been very receptive to that as well because again we've discussed before that i think clients know the more we know about them and the better we understand their business through messaging and positioning meetings and through having those really honest conversations about the direction we want to take things in, the more comfortable they will feel that we do can then what, go Lyle? and do. The greatest mistake I made just recently, and this does you know, talk to pitching and really understanding, building the stories of your, your, your clients, was one of my clients said to me, I just, I don't want any of this reporting. I don't want these weekly meetings. I don't, you know, I, I want you spending every minute of your day or your time on pitching my story. And I was like, no, because we do need that time, that reporting time to be able to take stock. No, 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 no. I trust you. You know what you're doing. And you know what? I went against my gut instinct and I cut all the reporting time and all that questioning time and all that together time with the client mm. out. And yet we did still get good results, but we didn't get 
the nuances and really understanding everything that's going on in the company through that infrastructure of communication that you build between a client and yourself. And I, you know, that's so, so crucial and important to have that infrastructure where you do stick to meeting with people. You Just like we all meet on a Monday morning, don't we? We all talk about everything that's going on. And it's exactly the same with, with your clients. It's that communication. It's so important to, to build that into your relationship. I've also learned a huge amount today about how I'm now going to try and pitch myself as an actor moving forward. I've been making some big mistakes. No, you can't. It's not in my interest for you to go pitch. <laughs> I don't yeah. want you to go. Especially, yeah, it's like I, I can act on every day other than Fridays <laughs> when we record this podcast. That's the deal. Who knows what we'll talk about next week on the next podcast. As ever, listeners, loyal listeners, it can be down to you. We want to hear from you about what you would like us to chat about we're going to get some guests on and that's to be confirmed so watch this space and it's been another fantastic episode of the rest is pr i've really enjoyed it let's do it again next week shall we yeah let's do it again next week let's have another crack at it i cannot wait (laughs) to see what we're going to discuss who knows what that will be but for the time being thank you so much listeners for listening to the latest episode of the rest is pr if you would like to get in touch with us jackie or myself to appear on the rest is pr or if you would like to suggest a topic then you can email us on info at the rest is pr.com or you can go to the rest is pr.com for more information about what's coming up on the podcast but for the time being it's goodbye for myself Paul. it's a massive goodbye from jackie as well and we will see you next week thank you so much and have a lovely rest of your day bye